Welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show with Landon Witt. You're about to learn hyper-local market knowledge happening right now in the Oklahoma City real estate market. This is your fresh weekly report on housing conditions in Oklahoma City that will enable you to make smarter investment decisions and gain insight on local trends. Plan your next move in real estate with this fast, vital market news to aid your next real estate adventure. Landon is a genuine, self-made top realtor in Oklahoma City with millions of dollars in real estate closed every year and hundreds of satisfied clients. He's a successful investor, property manager, and residential broker who's worked with clients from all over the globe to help achieve their real estate goals. This program will help you gain the much sought after hyper-local information that's vital to making real estate decisions. Whether you live right here in the city or across the country, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Here is your host, Landon Witt. Welcome to episode 34 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. On today's show, Melanie Anthony, Vice President of Development and Community Engagement at Pivot. If you remember a few episodes back, we talked about the mini village they were building for the homeless teenagers in the town. Interesting project where they're building these miniature homes in this miniature subdivision. So we're going to be watching that close because that could be some interesting uh, topics to discuss for the future uh, when we talk about the, the millennials wanting smaller homes. This is an interesting way to see what the state is doing for the homeless population with these miniature subdivisions. So that's coming up today. Uh, into the market report, number of active homes on the market this week, 110 entering the market. That's up from last week's 75. I think the holidays have finally finished up and now we're rolling back into business and people are ready to start selling again. Number of homes sold this week. Again, this is stuff that was under contract during the holidays and then processed now the first week of January is 37. That's down from 88 the week before. So again, if you are got your home listed and it's not moving, folks, that's okay. That's just the time of the year. Days on market average uh, are the median being 19, 19 days on market. Um, that's up uh, from last week or the week before. So just hang tight there. Uh, things kind of roll a little bit. We've had some weather that's been uh, influencing the market for sure. Now that we've got the snow out of the way, people want to tour homes. Uh, median list price uh, this last week coming in at 155000 And that's looking at uh, median sold price at 1499 so you're expecting a 3.29% discount this last week. So if you're wondering what homes were sold for last week, uh, and then you're looking at a 3.29%. So a lot of folks think that they're going to get a huge discount shopping in the wintertime. And that's not always the case because uh, you do have that limited inventory. There's just not a whole lot out there. So supply and demand game is in full effect. Your median list price, that translates to $87.13, with your median sold price translating to $82.55. The average list price coming up this week is $196,500. Let's talk just a second about REOs and short sales. Entering the market this week is eight. Last week, we had two. Again, uh, it's been interesting to see with the government shutdown, a lot of these FHA 
uh, loan defaults and VA loan defaults are certainly going to be backlogged this first quarter of the year. So you might see a bit of a stagnation. Uh, most of it's already in the works and it's already kind of gotten. So you really won't see that hit till probably this summer. We'll see a little bit of a dip in the REO availability inventory on a national scale. So we're going to track that. Uh, interesting to watch going forward. Uh, your median list price to expect in Oklahoma City for an REO this week is $48.17. But if we look at last week, the sold price was $51.16. So uh, they were getting bid up. And again, I think that's just part of that supply and demand issue. Uh, again, if you can get those properties at that $60,000 mark, you can do your thirty dollars and $40,000 renovations, and you can be in that perfect zone for affordability index. Again, we are really lacking in the affordable uh, housing. So uh, when you're doing your flips, when you're doing your renovations to rent, keep it affordable on the outside. And again, with your per family or your your per your family income coming in at around fifty thousand, you want to keep those rents right between nine and twelve hundred dollars. That's your special mark as you're getting towards the highest. It's, it's a little harder to rent unless you have some special features. So I want to talk a little bit about the website, okcrealestateshow.com. We launched the Property Spotlight. We've already had great uh, feedback from you guys on its progress. I just, I've always wanted a search engine that you can look for on cash flow basis. These are properties that are pretty darn close to turnkey. Some of them need some slight repairs and stuff. Uh, so you can still get a good equity. It's not completely wrung out, uh, but it's got a good performa, a good reasonable expectation of what rent you would get. Some of them are even occupied already. I know there's a couple of national companies that are doing this kind of turnkey operation and they're just really expensive. I mean, it's totally 100% hands off and I get that, that that's a, a big value. But for those of you that have time on the weekend or have time in the evenings or can take an hour or two a day and kind of check on your, your portfolio, you want a little bit more hands-on and you can save thousands of dollars by doing that, by just buying a property that's a little less ready to go. So we've, we're compiling a database uh, called the Property Spotlight. If you visit okcrealestateshow.com, there's a property tabs at the top. You can check that out. You can email me any questions you have. We're running 360 camera technology now uh, through a, pro a product called Insta360. It's fantastic. Uh, communicates directly with the iPhone. This makes it super mobile. So I can go there like I would show you, but you can be in Nevada or whatever, and I'll load that video afterwards and you have complete control over the camera angle, speed, and everything. Really unique experience uh, that'll save you thousands and flying down when a property may not work. Still recommend that you guys, when you can, fly down here for the inspections. But hey, we sold seven homes last year and the investor never even touched uh, Oklahoma City soil. In fact, two of them have never even been here, period. So uh, cool. I don't know if you saw the cover. Speaking of the website, if you've seen the cover on the website, we went out there downtown. We flew, uh, we've got the Mavic 2 drone, which is outstanding uh, picture quality. It's the same camera company that designed the camera for the landing on the moon. Uh, we went and got this camera specifically so for you investors, we can take high resolution, 4K resolution video and pictures of roofs and neighborhoods. We can actually email these to roofing contractors and they can give us a great estimate of those roofs. 
what condition they're in just based on the drone flight alone. But anyways, we were downtown trying to get pictures of these cranes. If you check out OKC Real Estate Show, when you get there, there's a there's a picture on the front. It's the front cover for the, the winter edition. And we've got these cranes that are just towering over downtown now. Really interesting to see. I personally grew up in Austin, Texas, and, and that was a, just a beacon of my youth. There was always cranes downtown. And now you see what Austin is doing. Uh, number-wise, it's just phenomenal. So remember, if you if you're investing in a city where everything's already done, it's going to be way too expensive. You have to have a little bit of faith in this, and look at these economic indicators in this town, and you'll see that you're buying into a market that is poised and in a position to rapidly grow. In fact, we're going to be talking in the coming weeks with the. Um, airport. Uh, we've got a couple of contacts there that we're going to be talking about why air, airline flights are so expensive still here and what they're doing to change that in the coming future. Once we get connecting flights changing, that's going to change the whole commerce traffic. We've got the convention center coming in 2019 and 2020, and that's going to change the airfare demands for this area. More people are going to see OKC on those flight departure screens at the airport, and it's going to put our city in their minds. So without further ado, I want to get on to our guest today, Melanie Anthony from Pivot. She's going to be talking about Pivot's new construction project, which is miniature homes in a full subdivision. Their total plan is 200 of these things. Uh, really an amazing undertaking. She's going to talk to us a little bit about that. So hang tight. Here's the news. Hello, I'm Aaron Christian in Oklahoma City for the OKC Real Estate Show with this week's news. Delizy Brothers is set to leave its sprawling long-term home just north of downtown for a new building near Britain and Broadway Extension. Delizy purchased 6.2 acres adjacent to 9000 Broadway, a new mixed-use development being led by American Fidelity and developer Randy Hogan. Delizy has been in the same location for 100 years and has operated its concrete and construction firm from nearly 14 acres between Northwest 16th and 12th on the east side of Broadway. The Oklahoman first reported the company plans to sell that property to a developer. Delizy is also in the process of demolishing their old plant just west of the railroad tracks in downtown Edmond. At the same time, they are constructing a new $4.3 million batch facility on on Santa Fe Avenue, just south of Northeast 122nd. Delizy employs over 1,000 people across the state. Oklahoma Contemporary is building a large new facility on the northwest corner of Broadway and 13th. A long vacant lot is being readied for undetermined development. And on the southwest corner of that same intersection, the now-abandoned Mercedes-Benz dealership will soon be home to public accounting firm Hogan Taylor and other tenants as the entire site is redeveloped. And now it's back to Landon with this week's guest. All right. Thanks, Aaron. We want to welcome Melanie Anthony to the show. Melanie is the Vice President of Development and Community with Pivot, uh, part of their engagement program. Uh, they've got something really interesting going on with some of the younger kids in town. Uh, they've got a program to take care of a lot of the um, the forgotten and left behind homeless children that are in town here. We came in contact with them through this newest, newest, latest project that they're doing uh, with their subdivision, where they're actually building a, uh, a miniature subdivision, almost similar to like a village of small, tiny homes. 
And then bringing those kids into that uh, environment where they each get their own individual home or maybe with a roommate and they learn how to develop life skills in that environment that that's similar to a modern day subdivision and then are and then will be released from the program with all the life skills or most of the life skills that will help them then integrate with regular society. This is important, folks, because tiny homes have been on the radar uh, in lots of countries around the world for sustainable futures. A lot of these can be machine built um, and they are extremely efficient in terms of construction cost. So uh, Melanie's going to talk to us today a little bit about the program, what we can expect from it, and that's going to be starting off uh, at the end of this year. They're going to be breaking ground and then hopefully by what, fall of uh, 2019? Well, we'll hopefully have three completed by the end of March because of a gift that we received from a local organization, Impact Oklahoma. We committed to have three of the tiny homes up and young people living in them by the end of March. So our goal is to stay on track with that um, because we also want want to honor their generous gift, but we also want to make sure those kids have a safe place to live. The sooner, the better. Mm, That's beautiful. So take us through the start here. So you already have a campus at Pivot that's that's there. It's a 13, almost a 13 acre uh, facility. And you're already doing ministries to these youth. And then and then you're going to be taking them. And I think what did you say about five acres of that 13 acres is where this project's going to be. And how many homes are total going to be in that five acres? Well, that's correct. So we have just under 13 acres that has, has our campus and our main administrative offices, as well as our emergency shelter. And we have approximately five acres that are undeveloped. And that's what we'll be putting our tiny home community in. Uh, we expect um, the number keeps changing because we get very creative as a nonprofit. You have to figure out how to stretch those resources. But we're expecting to have more than 80 homes completed on our campus um, 10 years or less. Uh, we think that we'll be soon, we'll, we'll shoot sooner for that, but we're, our plan for now is 10 years. We will have three of those done um, by the end of March, but our goal is to actually have six done by the end of spring. So mm. we're really excited about that. Now, 80 homes, you're talking in the full 13 acres. Then. And no, that's that's actually in that five acres because these are true tinies. These are true tinies. They're wow. for, they're going to be the first sets that we start with are going to be 14 by 20s, which is 280. And then we're going to have two ADA compliant. 280 uh, square foot. Tw- square, yes. Wow. <laughs> and then we're going to have two ADA compliance and those are going to be 15 by 22s each. Mm. So when you think about it, these six, these initial six are going to be, um, actually smaller than a traditional built home in, in the in local area. So mm-hmm. we're really excited about that. And um, the, the concept is we're just having this type of community, having it, having these young people have a sense of community is so important for them to overcome the barriers that they're in. And while um, people might think what you can serve more kids through in an apartment complex or something like that. Mm-hmm. These kids are so marginalized and they've been alone for so long or kind of put to the side and overlooked, like you said earlier. Sure. When they're in a true tiny home community, it's going to be like that neighborhood, right? So they're going to mm-hmm. have little, little, they're going to see people going in and out of their tiny homes and have that interaction, that social interaction. And they're going to be in these communities with kids that are similar to them, similar life experiences to them. And um, so much of what we do is evidence-based and data-driven because we want to make sure that what we're doing is smart and efficient efficient and very impactful for these young people. 
And for us, the transitional living component goes across all of the various programs that we have. And the five key areas we focus on are basic needs and housing, hello, tiny homes, (laughs) Mm -hmm. education, employment, Mm -hmm. permanent connections. Permanent connections are not just those healthy adult relationships, knowing what a healthy relationship looks like, but that that connection to your community that's so very important for these young people. And then well-being, their overall well-being from physical health to mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, sexual health, all of that together. So having these tiny homes on our campus is going to ease that accessibility for these young people. So as they learn and grow and develop and fail, because we all fail, I'm I'm a grown adult and I have my days, right? So when they fail, they're going to fail in a way that's going to allow them what we say is to fail forward. So they'll learn from their failure in a way that's not going to set them back in a way that they cannot overcome that failure, if that makes sense. So... Many of you may have heard 280 square foot, and that's the size of my, you know, master bedroom. So let's break that down for a minute here. Um, so when we talk about a house, right, we've got mm-hmm. traditionally a living room, a kitchen, a bedroom, these kind of things. What is this looking like? <laughs> so for us, um, the tiny home is going to have a, a small kitchen area, their own bathroom area, mm-hmm. uh, and a living area, which will be their, you know, their not their their living area as well as their bedroom mm-hmm. will be in one space. And then um, we are doing things a little bit different because we are dealing with kids and trauma. Why we don't technically have to have a front door and a back door because they are so tiny. <laughs> And we're going to just so the kids feel safe. So mm. um, you can have those egress windows in there. But if you're in a moment of panic, a young person might not think, go open through the, the go through the window. Sure. Um, we're not anticipating that. But we're just we want mm-hmm. the kids to just feel safe. Mm-hmm. So in ours, we'll have the front door, the back door. They'll have their and it'll be a shower set up and and toilet and, and vanity sink. And then they'll have a small kitchen area, which will have probably a 11 cubic foot refrigerator so a smaller refrigerator and we'll have the most likely the portable cooktops that they can put on there on there and then pull away that way they have that additional prep space and workspace mm. um so we're it's it's a pretty interesting space it's similar to a couple of the efficiency apartments that we have on our campus mm. but it's it's and it's detached it's, but it's detached and it's mm-hmm. a standalone and they can mm-hmm. sit on their front porch and they can you know, have, be in that community area out front where all the, the, the tiny homes in their little section are grouped together and, and have that interaction and have some common space and, and do a lot of community. Mm-hmm. So we've got a picture of one of um, Michelle's uh, tiny homes that she built. And this kind of gives an idea of, of some of the size component of what 300 square foot looks like. Um, and we'll put some videos for those of you watching this on YouTube. We'll get you some layouts of, of what they kind of look like. Some you can just Google tiny <laughs> homes. If you're just listening, you can Google tiny homes and kind of get an idea of, of what these are talking about. Now, these aren't going to be when some people think tiny homes, they think they're movable, right? Correct. These, are, these, are, these are on a foundation. They're there to last. Um, I think Michelle had said 30 years. I mean, like a full <laughs> length of a house. I mean, right? That's- that's our goal. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we want to be a long-term solution. Um, some of that is earlier print of it, prevention so the young people don't find themselves in this way, but we're, we're committed to the community and that's why we want to build these tiny homes where they're strong and structure. And, and there are things that we're looking at, like, do we do commercial flooring and things like that? Because again, these are teenagers mm-hmm. coming in and out. It's not sure. like a young person is going to be in this tiny home for three years. Pending mm-hmm. their situation, they might only be there two months mm-hmm. or they might be there a year. The goal mm-hmm. of these tiny homes are to make sure that they are are in a secure place 
accessing our services to ensure they stay in school and graduate, find employment, but also learn those life skills that they might not have had modeled. I mean, we had young people that one of the first stories I heard coming there, a young person didn't know you had to refrigerate chicken. So they had, mm. they had gotten sick. Other young people just don't know about food prep and budgeting and that it's important to take your trash out so many times mm. <laughs> every other day. You don't want that food, the food sitting in there. Um, mm. Their ordinary care, if you're working a night shift and you mm. come home at two in the morning, that that's not when you start blurring your music and doing your laundry. You know, that's you right. want to be a good neighbor and how to take care of something that's not yours, how to take care of a rental property mm-hmm. um, that you are in temp- that you're in at this point, and they're mm-hmm. learning how to care for those things. That way, when they move into something that's more long term in the community, they will be a good tenant, they'll mm-hmm. be a good neighbor, and they'll be built for success so they can transition into adulthood. So I view this as is like a, a miniature scale uh, community, right? Or, or communism, a commune, <laughs> right? Right. He kind of has this feeling of of mm-hmm. kind of like a, a everybody shares everything, and now so do we set hours as far as curfews? I mean, is there how is that? Is it policed in that manner? Or we will have regulations because these are young people, and also we're a secure mm-hmm. we're a secure facility. The safety of our young people. So there's people. a perimeter around the gate. There will they, be uh, yes, there, there will be. So right now, um, you can walk on our property, and there's so many cameras. You you know immediately been on like 40 different cameras and might not know it, but right <laughs> because okay. we take that security seriously, sure. but we will sure. have rules and regulations that they follow, like, mm-hmm. you know, guests not sur- out past a certain time and mm-hmm. things like that as well. Uh, they'll be monitored um, through security or, or the cameras, mm-hmm. uh, not in the houses, but, you know, sure, perimeter, the common areas, the, the common sure. areas because we want them to feel safe and mm-hmm. um, want to make sure they're protected. And sometimes it, that protection is understanding when's appropriate to have guests and when's not. And it's mm-hmm. just those are some of those things, because especially if they're still in school, they're a mm-hmm. high school student, because we have a lot of kids that are 16, 17, 18 that are with us that aren't in um, in the child welfare system. They truly are living on their own without parental support. So we've got to be able to, you know, provide them those resources and help monitor them um, and and help them understand healthy barriers and boundaries and structure and make sure they're, they are getting their homework done and getting to bed at a decent time so they can get up in the morning and go to school, just mm-hmm. like we do with the youth that are in our shelter. Mm-hmm. And so many youth in our shelter um, or that we work with age out of foster care. And at 18, you might be 18 and then um, this just happened, a young person aged out. They were 18, and it was September of their senior year. Mm. So then where do they go? What do they do? So we're, we step in that gap to ensure that they have you know transitional housing, safe housing, that they stay focused on their education so they can graduate. Because in Oklahoma, we do have a very high dropout rate, and we want to address that and, and, and be a good partner for our schools and also the, the community as a whole, the business community as a whole. If you just tuned in, we're listening. You're listening to Melanie Anthony. She's the vice president of development and community engagement with uh, Pivot, which is a turning point for youth. Uh, there, they've got uh, several different sponsors. I think uh, United Way is is one of the big sponsors as well. Right? We are United Way partner agency, and they support okay. our supporting kids and in independent living program, and that is the program that works uh, primarily with kids living on their own without parental support. But we have a, a multitude of programs that we work with, and 
you know, regardless of how a young person comes to us, regardless of the situation they find themselves in, they they have the right to feel safe and loved mm-hmm. and valued and seen. Mm-hmm. They have the, they have they deserve the ability to know they're going to have uh, be able to eat today, and that they sure. have transportation to school, and that they have a place to lay their head at night. Mm-hmm. And um, we have some wonderful partners that support our efforts, and the, and the community as a whole, as a nonprofit, is is very generous. Mm-hmm. with us. And we just knowing that brick and mortar is such a barrier to our young people because of their age and then also affordability for them mm-hmm. because they are young and in school and trying to hold a job. And for them, oftentimes it might be food service or something of that level that might not pay at a level that they need to be at yet when you're 16, 17, mm-hmm. 18. Um, we uh, really want to focus on those things and ensure they have what they need. So if you are, uh, if you know of uh, a young individual, and this is really geared towards the ages of 16 and 19, that is homeless right now, surfing around from couch to couch, may have lost contact with their parents due to violence or any other domestic issues that are going on. This program starting in Oklahoma City in 2019 is a, a modern day village, <laughs> okay, with that has been designed with these tiny homes, okay, 288 square foot homes that they can come move into and get a sense of independence while at the same time being mentored to teach them, here's how to maintain a house, here's how to maintain a rental property, here's how to maintain your life inside of a single family dwelling. And then they then within two months or nine months or whatever it takes, then they're released back into society where they can they can then have a, sh- a shot at a normal life. So um, let's talk just a minute again about how this village is kind of set up. So the first three units are going to be ready in March. Mm-hmm. We'll try to get some footage and some video of that because it's very interesting. Uh, a lot of it volunteer help that's constructing these. Now, when we've got a living room, we've got, and I'm assuming they'll have a vacuum or something there. Exactly. They'll be able to do house chores exactly. and stuff. And then is there a, uh, a central community center or something where they can kind of all meet together? Are male and female allowed to go back in different rooms or is, I mean, what, is there, you know, what what level of freedom do they, do they have here? Well, these first, this first six, and when we get to eventually that first 12 and that first, I'm calling it a pod, it's mm-hmm. not really a pod, but that first section that they're together, um, we're going to be really using that as, I don't want to say a pilot, but that's kind of that concept. What did we miss? What did we overlook? What, what do we need to add to this area? So we'll be developing um, probably stricter guidelines at that point of, male, female, things like that. I will actually probably log down pretty tight up front and sure, then figure out say, what those healthy boundaries not, are. We're it's not trying to grow the population. No, exactly. Here. But but that's something that's really important because they're not going to be roommates. This will be, sure. these are going to be mm-hmm. um, an individual living in these. We're not mm-hmm. giving them Which a roommate. Which I think is the important part. That's the important yeah, part. Sure. We're not pairing them up with someone yep. they don't know. Now, mm-hmm. if they're a 17-year-old that has, mm-hmm. or a 16-year-old or a 15-year-old, because it happens here, that has a baby mm-hmm. or a toddler, then we'll let them be in that tiny home together. Sure. If it's a 19-year-old that's taking care of their 16-year-old sibling and there's not a parent, now that's a sibling unit, but mm-hmm. it won't be married partners or boyfriend, girlfriend, or, you know, partners mm-hmm. going into the, um, in the tiny homes because it really is that component of them learning and being in a safe environment and on their own, mm-hmm. living and living independently. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in the future plans, we will have those common areas. We'll, mm. We're going to have those common areas to where this might be where everybody, we're currently, they'll currently share a laundry um, area that's tied to our emergency shelter because we have commercial laundry in there. So they'll work in that in these first group. Wow. But then we'll build these ad- additional, um, the plan is to build these larger spaces where it is that community mm-hmm. um, center type thing where you can go yeah, and community kitchen. Community kitchen and you can go in there, movie the yeah, watch movies, watch the game, do your laundry. Mm -hmm. That because these tiny homes are tiny. It's not like you're gonna be cooking a dinner for ten in your tiny home. But if you wanted to get together with your with your group, Mm -hmm. you can all go in, cook dinner there, sit down and have some fellowship together. Mm -hmm. Um so those would be things that we do. And then we'll also knowing that we'll probably have littles on the property at well at some point in time for our young parents, we need to figure out what where those play areas are and we are also, since we're keeping as much of the, of the green as we possibly can, mm. you know, we'll build in, looking to build in trails and mm-hmm. things like that because physical wellness is important. So it's important for them to get out, walk around, get in the fresh air. And the green environment, that nature is actually so calming mm. for these young people. So we want them to have that and use it as a, as a source of recovery to overcome some of the trauma they've been through as well. Sure. Well, and I think we all, you know, society as a whole benefits from projects like this because these folks will then impact the lives of the folks that they impact. So, I mean, it's, it's a ripple effect. These that they've learned now how to take care of a place and they've gotten the infrastructure that they may not have had before, mm-hmm. um, through uh, just lack of the parent involvement. Even parents that are just in poverty to the point where they're working two, three, four exactly. jobs at a time and just can't get ahead. You know, those kids miss out on a lot of the valuable lessons of having a parent being able to be there uh, and help them through life. So I think this is great. I think this is a good start. And for those that don't take uh, tiny homes serious, this is a new movement, folks, that's taking off. Uh, when you really look at this, um, college debt at its highest Exactly. I mean, that's one of the number one things when we talk about first time home buyers, they get rejected from mortgages now because their, their, their college debt is too high. And this could be the, the bridge that will bridge that gap of you can't afford this house, but we can do a tiny home. And some of these are already used to, like you said, the small efficiency apartments exactly. and everything. So the opportunity to be able to get like this here, the, the tiny home, uh, and then be able to have your own home in some cases, even pay it off, you know, and, and not even have a mortgage. So, uh, coming up, uh, excellent. Is there anything, Melanie, you want to add to this before we wrap this up today? We're almost about out of time. Well, we just, you know, for us, we're very excited to, mm-hmm. to represent Oklahoma City and, and the Metro in this way. And, and also, we hope what we find can be a, used mm-hmm. as a model in other communities. Mm-hmm. Um, youth homelessness is not something that just happens in Oklahoma, right? It happens across our country. And um, we want to help be a solution to that. And whatever we learn, we're going to be sharing <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's so very important that we help these young people um, be seen <laughs> and and be valued and, and show the show everyone that they are resilient when they have those basic things that they need. And housing right. is mm. one of those. Housing and being able to overcome the barriers that they've been dealt mm. Um, mm. and the trauma that they have inside, help them overcome those barriers to be those productive members, like you were saying, pr- productive members of our community and not young people that just fall into a, a path that where they end up being an adult that's homeless 
or an adult that ends up in our justice system or continue the uh, and young people that are fighting with un, you know untreated mental health issues or domestic violence or things like that. We really know and we've seen some great outcomes with what we're already doing. We believe firmly that this tiny home movement is something that will benefit um, our young people and will be a model that can benefit not just the youth in our community, but our community as a whole. And we hope that it's something that will that can be mirrored in other communities. You've been listening to Melanie Anthony, Vice President of Development and Community Engagement with Pivot, a nonprofit organization aimed at fighting homelessness in teenagers. Visit more information about this on OKCRealEstateShow.com. You can also email us at support at OKCReal.com. That concludes episode 34 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Subscribe to our podcast to hear fresh local market information. We want to hear from you. We need ideas for our show. Visit OKCRealEstateShow.com. Looking to buy or sell in Oklahoma City? Meet with the award-winning team today at OKCRealEstateShow.com. That's OKCRealEstateShow.com.